people don't talk about the physical cost of podcasting, like the sleigh claft is slowly wearing away your hand bones to nothing. Mm-hmm. And let um, me tell you, the, I need my hands. Oh yeah, well for yeah, that's one you know. That's why you know that's why it's taking us so long to get you on here because of your fear of collapse, <laughs> <sighs> the potential career risk. Um, what do you what do you do to protect those hands? Oh, you know, uh, nice little soft gloves uh, that we use when mm. we're drawing on Wacom tablets. It makes the sliding across the Wacom tablet really easy. Do you really have Whoa. a tablet glove? I guess Rory yes. has a tablet glove. Yes, and they're they're typically fingerless. <laughs> yep. Wait, this is a crazy coincidence because I just got into wearing fingerless gloves. Yeah, because they're cool, right? Yeah, but they're also functional. Now, mine are tactical. Um, I, I, I use mine to call in sh- strikes uh, <laughs> and formations. But uh, yeah, I mean, the fingerless aspect of them. Wow. Yeah, I'm about to play some war. I'm about to play some war zone, throw on my fingerless gloves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although these, yeah. these are like a nice white soft cloth. So they're not really as cool as like leather fingerless gloves, unfortunately. Sort of like a cleric's glove uh, of some sort. Yeah. I yeah. have more of a warrior class. Yeah. Also, the dark secret about those gloves is they get dirty very quickly because they're white. So they just they look filthy after a few weeks. And that's why I dress in all black and I still look filthy, but I try my best. <laughs> um, man. It's the weekend. It's weird to record on the weekend. I feel like I use the weekend to get angry about things, and then we record on Monday, and mm-hmm. I just kind of let it out. But it's Saturday. Haley, I'm feeling cue good. the weekend. Imagine your favorite weekend song. <laughs> um, or just do like the Dick Dale fucking surf rock. But that's sort of how I think of the weekend as an idea. Not the artist, <laughs> just like the tone. Um, look, let's just introduce the show. Um, we're in it. We're doing it. We've already mentioned Haley. Um, so let's talk about it. You're listening to a podcast called the Game Boys Podcast. My name is Lux. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, and I am Griffin. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm going to say Haley's name too. Haley's here as well. Yeah. Our we producer. Got our producer, editor Haley, Haley uh, on the ones and twos. And we've got a baller fucking guest this week. Uh, my friend, an illustrator, an artist, a computer editing whiz, a post-production master, and the assistant director on Netflix's Castlevania series. It's Adam Dietz. What's up, dudes? Oh, I left the out elite fighting, <laughs> oh. elite fighting gamer. Elite fighting gamer. Oh no! I wouldn't say elite, right? Like I don't, I didn't play competitively for much longer than uh, after I got a real job because I wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, you did play competitively. Um, oh yeah. So I think but when when did you have that moment where you're like, damn, I'm I'm not that good. Uh, well, you fight the feeling, you know, the, like there's like that inner mm-hmm. darkness and you, you know, it's coming, right? You feel it inside you that you're just not that good. Uh, and you fight that for like a solid decade. And then it, it's a realization <laughs> that you deal with later. <laughs> right. I feel like it's like uh, it's like when the choice of other thing you could do is sufficiently good that it makes you look in the mirror and go, I just got to admit this to myself and move exactly. on. Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 Like the incentive becomes good enough to just sort of be like, no, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the trick. Quit earlier and then you can just tell people that if you'd stuck with it, you would have been the best. Oh, true. That's a great way to put it, actually. Yeah. You could do Mm -hmm. sort of the retired high school football guy thing. Yeah, I would have gone pro, but my knee, man, you know. (laughs) <laughs> there's honor in quitting i think people i think people think of honor of quitting as a disgrace but i th- i can think of a lot of people that need to quit what they're doing right now <laughs> yeah. yeah and like now i get to be gatekeeper status and just have fun with it quote mm. unquote yeah 
So I was like, what does that mean? Do you like play? Do you still play online competitively and sort of like, are you like a stepping stone for people looking to get to the pro scene? Uh, I mean, I, I have. So I, I would say about three years ago, I have not been going to the arcade like I used to, which that sounds insane to be going to an arcade these days. <laughs> Obviously, I won't be during COVID, uh, but I yeah. used to be going to the local arcade to play because that's the best way to like. First off, there's no lag. And second, um, you get to play with uh, a, a large variety of like high level players. Right. So that's the, the mm-hmm. way to like keep your skills up. Um, yeah. But like. For the last several years, I've been too busy with work. There's just too much going on. And so I just don't play anywhere but online with friends and just like keeping the rank up. Or right, well, I have questions about work. I'm imagining like a Karen that's <laughs> not trying to go to a grocery store, but an arcade specifically. <laughs> God, I mean, you that's... gotta uh, play pinball! <laughs> oh my God, that's too 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 dark of a place to go yeah where's, is, the, where's there arcades anymore do you guys have arcades near you i, yeah, I, I don't know there's, I haven't pinballs, been to, I mean, I, there's ufo the only ones that i have in la are like the the hipster like ooh, it's a bar but it's also an arcade like there's nothing that's like very traditional like this is an arcade first uh so well, UFO Austin, arcade. yeah i was gonna say like ufo in hyde park was is was the big fighting game arcade to go to and then i would say about <sighs> I'm going to get my timelines wrong. It's probably about eight or nine years before that came to be. It was Einstein's arcade on the drag. Um, and that's where everybody went to play fighting games. Uh, Einstein's closed so what down. Is, what is your fighting uh, and game? And then the, a friend of mine. Wait, what? What? Oh, no, it's far. Finish your story. I'll ask you in a second. I'm now I'm intrigued. L- 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 wait, Lux, your 5G, 5G cut you out. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, I was just asking what Adam's fighting game is, but now I want to know the history of the arcades in Austin because I am intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like uh, the one of the guys that used to play at Einstein's, uh, Ryan Harvey, bought uh, a lot of the machines there, and then he created Arcade UFO. But he doesn't—he doesn't own Arcade UFO anymore. That's under new ownership now. And you know, mm. that's like where people go to play fighting games. But obviously, I don't—I doubt it's doing well during COVID. Yeah, who can um, say for sure? And I, and like in terms of fighting games that I play these days, I typically stick with Street Fighter Five right now, just because I know Street Fighter games well, so it's not hard for me to pick them up and get into them and get decent at them, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's the game I play. Uh, I do play a little bit of Grand Blue versus. Um, that's a lot of fun, and I'm probably going to play the new Guilty Gear a lot when it's out. Yeah, so I'm a, so I'm a Street Fighter Five. I see. I see. No way. My question first, Lux. Street Fighter Five is that the one that has like a billion moves per character? No, I mean like it, Street Fighter game move set wise is is it's fairly pruned down. It's not like a Tekken game where Tekken characters have eighty to ninety moves. You know? Okay. They have their special attacks. They have their normal attacks. They have command attacks, and that's it. Yeah, because because uh, is it the one with the bear? Uh, no, I think you're thinking that's of either Tekken. Street Fighter Cross Tekken uh, or Tekken. Yeah. I'm thinking of Tekken. Yeah. yeah Tekken has the bear. Yeah. 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 Uh, we yeah love that's Kuma. the one. Um, yeah. I just, I just, yeah. The, the street, the fighting games that have too many move sets. I just, I just can never get down with. I'm, I'm just too bad at that. I don't have the memory for that kind of shit. Yeah. Yo. So I, I, I started watching, uh, I started watching uh, Castlevania. I'm halfway through the first season. Okay. Uh, in, in, incredible stuff. Uh, what is, what is your role again, specifically on the show? Uh, so I'm the assistant director, which I mean, it generally translates to I'm a co-director on the show. Um, I I do a lot of things uh, during pre-production. My main duty is I'm sort of second in command to my brother Sam Dietz for artistic uh, decisions, um, and I also put a large emphasis on animatic creation. 
And so once the storyboard artists are doing their thing and they're creating storyboards, uh, they feed those storyboards to me. Um, and during seasons one and two, I was the sole editor on the show, <laughs> stupidly. Um, oh, holy yeah, shit. And so I was uh, editing all of those storyboards with a little bit of help from the storyboard artists. Like so, some storyboard artists like to kind of work out timing pretty early. So, you know, they, they, they can inform what I'm doing pretty, pretty early on. Uh, but then I would edit everything together uh, and try to keep things, you know, tonally correct. Um, and then during season three, we finally got editors and, and season four right now, I have a wonderful <laughs> editor named David Howe who's doing great work. Um, and I, I act as sort of oversight for that. <laughs> that that's a incredible, incredible about Netflix is you, you got to get through a few seasons before you get any staff. That's good. It's good to hear. Well, it's honestly, like season three. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, it, it ended up working out okay on season one because it was only four episodes. Right. So it was a, uh -huh. it was a little bit less to do. Uh, but once season two came around, it, it just, it wasn't feasible anymore. So I think that we, we had incorrect expectations of what to do. It was just foolish on our end. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like it, 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 it fucking rocks so far. And I've heard people talk about the show for a while. Um, but, uh, I, I never had checked it out before. Um, how did you guys get a show about a video game like greenlit at Netflix? Wow. Uh, like, I think it's only like the, the Witcher it, to me is the only other major video game TV show out right now. Right. Yes. Um, and I think that The Witcher happened the way that it did because of Castlevania's success. Um, Let's go. Got, Let's take credit officially uh, for uh, that. Yeah, right now. Henry Cavill shit. Yeah, Henry Cavill could not have built that PC <laughs> without you. There is no Henry Cavill without Adam Dietz. I'm saying it on the podcast. That's not. That is not what I meant by that. But you, you can create that's whatever what narrative I'm you saying. like. Okay, that's fine. That's mm -hmm. fine. Uh, but I mean, uh, so it was a lot of luck as a lot of these things go. Like the scripts for the first season of the show were originally created for a direct-to-DVD movie, and that was a decade ago. Uh, and so they were mm. written um, that, that the direct-to-DVD market collapsed entirely. And so the producers passed the script around and they were trying to find a studio that was willing to do it. Um, and there was a – they just by happenstance came to our studio because we did a lot of like action anime style trailer work for video games like we previously worked on. Stuff like the Battle Chasers uh, RPG, um, Banner Saga series, stuff like that. And um, so they, they went ahead and asked us if we would be willing to do it or if we thought it would be a good fit. And we, have, we had tried to pick up series work before and it just always went south for whatever reason. It's hard to get into spiz. Uh, and so the CEO, Brad Graber, um, announced it at our, our, our weekly meetings called the 400, just stating kind of loosey-goosey, hey, this Castlevania thing, whatever it is, is uh, you know, we're, we're in talks with it. And I audibly gasped <laughs> and everybody looked at me like I was a lunatic because I'm a big Castlevania fan and I have been for a long time. Uh, and so after that meeting, I went up to him. I was like, we have to get that. And then my brother, Sam Dietz, um, he's the one that did a lot of pushing in the background to make sure that it happened. He actually did early designs for it and whatnot to help with the pitch. And so he and then a couple other people went out and, and pitched it and we ended up getting the job. Yeah, that's wow. fucking cool as shit. Now I have a sort of similar L but different question. Lux, I need you to do pushing in the background. That's what I I need you to do what he what is say what Sam did. You don't push enough, Lux. We should be the number one podcast by now. I mean, 
I think you're the one who has a lot net, more time. It should to be do, Netflix's Game Boy. I think that you have a lot more time to push than I do, Griffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, that's true. That's true. I'm too busy pulling. Yeah, you um, to pull. Okay, so, Lux. What was your question? Follow up. You made a, show, a video game show. It fucking rules. But why doesn't it suck the way that all other video game adaptations <laughs> suck? Like, how did you avoid falling into that trap when you made this show? Because it's uh, everywhere. Uh, that's a that's a hard question, I guess. Apparently, it's a really difficult thing to do. Um, I think it starts with the writing. Obviously, the writing is, uh, it's. The, I think that the writing does a good job of keeping uh, the show relatively sophisticated. I think season one's pretty on the nose and simple, but as the show goes season wise, it gets more sophisticated. Um, and, but it does not throw out what the games are. Right, it keeps like a general sh- like shell of what the game, like Castlevania three, for example, which is what the show is based on. A, a general shell of what that that uh, that story is about, and then from there on the art end and the directorial end, it's a lot about you focus on the story, but on the art end, we made sure that you know the art looks like Ayami Kojima's stuff. Yeah, Ayami Kojima was the illustrator for the modern day Castlevania games for a long time, and she's very very well respected. She does wonderful gothic stuff. Um, yeah, and. We also made sure to not beat the audience overhead, over the head and remind them that it's a video game at all times, which I think is a big deal. You don't want to yeah. have platforming sequences that are perfectly side view <laughs> that match the game perfectly with like, you know, like, the, you know, like it's like the damn, that's like the game. It's like the doom sequence. Like, why did you put a first person shooter sequence in the goddamn movie? Don't do that. Like, please don't do that. And you can have references from the games. They can fit in just fine. You just don't want to beat the audience over the head with them, right? As long as they mm-hmm. fit into the background or to the sequence as a whole, um, and, it, and it feels subtle, then it works just fine. So, right. And I, I think that kind of stuff is key. I, I do. I do have a soft pitch though for whatever next season you guys are on for. I do think maybe including game over screens would really <laughs> oh, yes, narratively. Yes. I think. I think it would lift a lot. It's just the one thing that I noticed is missing so far. It's just my only note. I don't like giving notes. Okay. But. I mean, well, every time a character dies, now we're gonna have a game over screen. It's gonna mimic yeah. the Symphony of the Night one, where it has the weird spooky music <laughs> and the big skull in the background with like a weird like a cross with a necklace wrapped around it. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to put a token into your uh, into your go- into your you know your uh, Roku in order to get the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> it, it's so funny to me watching that show because um, because you do there are like allusions to the game in really fun ways like the way that certain like fighting and magic stuff works like kind of follows the rules of the game in a way that is like recognizable to someone who like just recently beat the like Symphony of the Night collection on the Switch or whatever. Right. Um, but it's it's interesting how you guys pick and choose like what you lean into in the show. Um, so, I mean, like it, it we look at the sequence as a whole and just sort of like, you know, uh, for example, we have a lot of action board animators that do really wonderful work. Uh, and like in season two, during the, the episode seven, like main hall fight, like with the Bloody Tears soundtrack playing in the background, uh, you know, we've we've been trying to get music from the games into the show for a long time. And we knew that the opportunity was going to be rare and it was going to be hard to do. 
And so we had to be pretty choosy about when that was. Um, and the thing is, is that when it comes to using the video game and the music in the show, you'd be surprised at how hokey that can come across sometimes, right? If you play it during like something that's supposed to be more solemn and, 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 and low beat, uh, it can kind of interfere with that. So the right time to do it was like a key action scene. Um, and so that's just like one example, you know, having a famous video game track and that sequence, you know, you can cut all the action to the beats of the, of the music to at least a certain degree and it fits right in to something like that. Uh, and with other stuff too, like uh, during that same sequence, Alucard turns into his wolf form from Symphony of the Night and we had never previously shown that before in the show. And the reality is, is that's kind of old school vampire stuff. You know, vampires yeah. have been turning into wolves, bats, and mists for decades. Uh, and so even though it feels a little bit left field, that's a thing that's like pretty, you know, common vampire lore. So we're able to get away with a reference like that because it were, it fits right in. Mm-hmm. Tales old as time. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, so the, the, the art really struck me uh, for this show. Now, there's animation i mean especially during like this pandemic like there's more animation than ever right now um and a lot of like new animation feels very uh like digital and very and very cheap but like the style of this animation really struck me um like what was your kind of inspirations for it and was it hard to like get that style like accepted at a place like netflix so the this always comes down to and it, the answer is very difficult um but it's not netflix's deal it's it's just about being able to pick something that's animatable which is hard uh, admittedly uh, our show has our designs have a very high line density and what that translates to in the animation terms is that the more lines you have in your character designs the harder it is to animate them you know our characters because they have a high line density take longer to animate than other characters and that's difficult. It's, it's hard on the staff. So what that usually means is that we have to be, we have to operate within kind of anime style rules for conversational scenes. A lot of characters just kind of sitting there flapping their mouths, stuff like that is the way that you're able to make that feasible as best as possible. But in terms of just general reference, you know, a lot of the, the character design referencing was just referencing Ayami Kojima's work and then translating that into 90s anime style cell shaded work. Uh, which is like yeah, a big reference yeah. for our stuff because Sam and I both miss that era of animation. You know, like I, I, I think about like the Berserk TV series, uh, Record of Lotus War OVA, stuff like that, that really nice, thick, dense line work that you just don't see as often as you used to. And it's difficult and it causes problems, but I do, I don't know if we could have gone a different direction with this just because of the history that Castlevania has built up. Uh, with the Ayami Kojima style work. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, like the 90s anime vibe, like I'm feeling like, like where's the Toonami spaceship intro <laughs> before, before this show? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Do you, do you see anime and anime influences like becoming a, a larger part of like Western animation culture? I mean, obviously the the largest big one from the last decade I can think of is Avatar The Last Airbender. For sure, yeah. Um, but like, is there, do you, do you see more people going that direction, especially as anime becomes more and more like Western, uh, Western relevant. It's, it's everywhere now. 
And it's like it's <laughs> it's also being referenced in stuff that you wouldn't consider necessarily anime. Like Steven Universe, for example, has plenty of references to anime all the time. Uh, not just like st- the style of effects work and whatnot, but also storytelling stuff. Um, and there's, I, I mean, there's a kind of an endless l- uh, number of shows doing it. Like the the recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show with the really flashy effects work. All that effects work is very, very referential towards anime style uh, effects work. Uh, and it's probably going to get more common um, because that's like that we, all of us who grew up during that era are now growing up and entering the uh, animation industry and we're kind of taking our influences with us, right? So I'm just going to say it right now. Every college art, art professor who told me to not draw anime anymore, I think that might have been a mistake. <laughs> Yes, suck it, nerds. <laughs> Deeds is the king can we, now. Can we set the record straight for all the teachers? Yeah, <laughs> Gene Ray over here, kill all the parents and educators. Am I right? Um, he said it. I'm, that's a quote. I didn't, didn't make that up. Um, Gene Ray <laughs> said it. He said time is a cube. That guy's weird. Um, so here's a, a question I have for you, Deeds, which is like when like when you guys were like conceiving of this stuff and like I guess like how much of how much of like the narrative and themes because the show is really theme dense in a way that's really cool. Um, like we were able to make a video about it for Wisecrack. We've discussed making other videos about it for Wisecrack, which is pretty rare for Netflix TV shows that we'd like want to come back to something like that. Um, and so I'm except curious. for tall girl. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, of course. Well, that was just about how tall is the girl um, and several. Episodes <laughs> of that. Um, but it, it, it is intriguing to me, like how much do you and Sam uh, which is the extent of the people I know who are involved with this, uh, have any input on sort of those kind of things, like the theme density of the show, because it's really smart and talks about some really interesting things, in interesting ways that aren't super in the games. Well, I mean, it's 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 hard to talk about this because, you know, we're not the writers of the show and we what ha- ends up happening, and this is generally by design, is that we're, we're reading the scripts and we're translating those scripts through our lens into storyboards and animatics. And so there's little things that we do to try to emphasize the themes as we see them. And typically, we don't have conversations about themes with the, the writer or the producers uh, unless uh, we're like, we go really, really far off course in a, in a storyboard somewhere. You know, there might be a, sure. and that doesn't typically happen, but usually maybe there might be one storyboard or sequence where we may have like screwed up a single thing or something and then we'll have conversations about that but like to give you an example um one like we don't we don't usually add scenes that are not there from scripts but there's little things that we can do to kind of symbolize and emphasize things thematically right so to give you an example at the beginning of season two episode seven uh our characters kind of go up from the bottom of the Belmont Hole to the surface to see the castle uh, right before they're supposed to raid the castle. Uh, and there's that kind of moment of silence before the storm where the characters are being pensive, sitting on sort of the ice pillars that rises, and then Trevor turns and sees uh, the uh, painting of Leon Belmont, his, his ancestor, basically. And that sequence was not scripted. It was a thing that, we, that I pitched and got added in there because it felt right for the episode that we were about to have, to kind of have a moment before they march in there. Um, And thematically, season two, I would say, you know, our interpretation of it was largely about filial piety and the the good and bad of that, 
and that it can follow characters around and make them miserable, basically. And that goes all the way down to Isaac and his feelings towards um, his previous father figure in Dracula, to Hector and, and him murdering his family, to Trevor feeling the weight of like the Belmont family name, Alucard, etc. And that moment, yeah. like Trevor looks at that painting because he's still carrying that on his back before he marches into that castle. Yeah, hell yeah. I remember that scene as soon as you described it because it whips ass. So great job, Deez. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's your rules. When, when you guys are when you guys are like like going into making a video game TV show and you think about like the kinds of like writers that you want to staff for your show, are you looking for people from the TV world or do you look for people from that write for video games traditionally and like, or is it like a mixture? Like how do you guys like find the people to like write a video game TV show? Well, I mean, honestly speaking, we are, we're not that uh, involved with that process. It's uh, usually our producer, Kevin Coldy, who does that, who's, been in the animation industry for, I want to say 30 plus years, but I actually don't know the decade number. Like, <laughs> I know that it's been a very, it's like multi decades in a very long time. This guy was involved with Adventure Time previously. Um, and mm-hmm. he knows the game, he knows what people want to see. Uh, and, you know, we put a lot of trust in him to find the right people, you know. Uh, and so, like, at, at the end of the day, you know, we might have uh, uh, notes for scripts that are minor. But it's really up to him. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Well, we picked your brain about this a lot because uh, we both were very curious about this. But we should also talk about the thing this show is about, which is video games, probably. Right. <laughs> um, so the question to segue into that bit of, of the conversation uh, is Dietz. Here's the thing. I was going to ask this earlier, but we were talking about fighting games. I'm a big Mortal Kombat, Blaze Blue, uh, King of Fighters guy uh-huh. when it comes to fighting games. Uh, why can't I get good at or like Street Fighter? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, the games that you brought up are super hyper offense related. Like King of Fighters is just low jump repeatedly over and over again until you you hit them. Uh, Blaze Blue, Air Dashes, high mobility, high offense. Same with Mortal Kombat, which has like like really dense strings and stuff. So I would say, if I'm taking a guess, like Street Fighter is a lot about like something called quote unquote footsies. Which is not the the filthy under the table sexual version of footsies, but like like your ground game basically, where you you dance in and out of your opponent's attack range and try to get them to whiff a move and then you punish it, uh, and that's very it's very like it's a- offensive play, but it's also paced play uh, where defense is a big deal, uh, and so Street Fighter is there is a lot of defense mixed in with the offense versus other fighting games, which are really just high impact and kind of just back to back exchanges. So I mean, some people have a hard time with that. Uh, Like King King of fighters, you don't ever stop attacking almost like (laughs) you're just (laughs) always jumping for sure. Yeah. I was wondering if the answer was more complicated. I think the answer was more complicated than I hate blocking, but it turns out that's still (laughs) the truth, which is fine. That's what I thought it was. And I'm glad to get it confirmed by an expert. Uh, I love to attack. I don't protect. I'm one of those dogs. That's only one window of the meme. Um, What are you playing these days, my man? Well, I mean, I'm still playing street fighter five. I, the, the new king of fighters game got announced. I'm probably going to try it out as well on top of, you know, uh, the new guilty year game. Um, but it's just like I said earlier, uh, Grand Blues uh, versus is really fun. It's a good mix between Street Fighter and Guilty Gear games in that it's like it's not as fucked up off- offense as Guilty Gear, um, but it still has a little bit of that. Um, 
And so it's still, it's really fun. It also looks fantastic. Cool. Hell yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, are you playing any non-fighting games or are you very like genre strict in that way? Oh no, I, I play all sorts of stuff. I, I loved the recent last of us too. I thought it was amazing. Um, I played, uh, ghost of Tsushima. That was a great game. Um, I am, I am in the middle of the filth that is Genshin Impact. I admit that I have, <laughs> I have crawled my way out of my yes. cave to play that stupid gacha game. Um, yeah. And I, I feel guilty about it every day, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, so it's many weird. people. It, it's weird. It's weird. I played it for a little bit, and I was like, why don't I just play Breath of the Wild again? Like, I don't. I just didn't. I think I think the draw, and I I say this with the utmost sincerity, is that it's infinite Breath of the Wild one, two, yeah, with waifus and husbandos that you can roll for. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and like yeah. It, it, it attracts. Uh, it attract. I mean, like during the pandemic, I would say that it was the perfect time to release that game because we're all kind of like. We're de-evolving to our, our, our basis states. <laughs> just doing whatever we can to get through the day, you know? And so I, th- that's true. I think that's like part of the draw with the game right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I it's think just I play that game. It's sugar. Yeah. I play that game and I feel like if I didn't gamble on sports, it would just be the thing that fuel, like fuels my gambling addiction would just be that game instead. Because um, it feels like uh, it, it scratches the same part be. of your brain, kind of. Like my half my office right now is playing that game and we have a, a chat where the chat is, I would say 50% of it is people like reinforcing their gambling addiction or telling them to stop gamble <laughs> for every role. Realistically, how much money uh, have you spent on this game? You don't have to answer that. Oh, it's not actually that much. I have a monthly allowance and like the <laughs> nice. monthly allowance vaguely matches the amount of movies that I've go see in theaters. Right. So it's just like, okay. that's the way I justify it. That's $8,000. Um, so uh, <laughs> like now what is the point? Do you, do you want to like get a new girlfriend each time? Like, like I feel like once I found people I liked, I feel like I'd kind of betray them by wanting to buy new people. Uh, well, I mean, I think that like it, it's the flavor of the day a lot of the time, right? Like uh, you're, you're technically buying or rolling for assets that make you better at the game. But admittedly, I don't think the game is that hard. And so I think that people just like, well, this character looks cool or plays cool. And so that they they decide to do roles on the character. Nice. Wow. God. Yeah, it's God. that game is so goddamn. That game is so funny to me. Well, it is. I could feel it when I was playing. It was like this would scratch the same part of the itch that like is the part of me that puts two hundred dollars into my bookie every month. Yeah, um, I, like I think like, the second the pandemic ends, I'm not going to play it anymore, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I'll keep I'll keep <laughs> sports gambling because I'm doing great at it. Um, and there's no way it's that doing, attitude uh, can go wrong. <laughs> you do bring up you do bring a good point though. It is like the perfect time for a trash game like that. You know, you're just trying to fill time. Yeah. You, are you into normal MMOs? Uh, I played uh, a little bit of FF14. Um, I played I, I sporadically play them here and there. I have a hard time sticking with them over a long stretch of time, admittedly. Because uh, I'm really busy, mm-hmm. and those games want you to be playing every day. Um, yeah. But I did play a little bit of FF14. I played a little bit of FF11 before that, which I have no idea why I, I played FF11 before that. That game is like an abusive marriage, basically. But <laughs> um, it's it was a game that I played. I played a little bit of WoW. I played a little bit of Black Desert Online, but I didn't play them for very long. For sure. Yeah. 
Well, are there any games that are out now that you're particularly curious about or interested in? Because Griffin and I, uh, against our own self-interest and health, try to play every game that people are talking about because we hate ourselves. So if there's a game that you've missed because you've been busy making a hit cartoon animated series, uh, we might be able to cue you in on some stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm eventually going to try to get to Hades. I do want to get to it. Um, it just it's seems like right so on my alley. Yeah, I was going to mention Hades because I was like, it, it, the artwork is slightly different, but like some of the characters looked kind of similar to like Castlevania. And I was like, maybe they owe you some money. <laughs> no, I doubt it. But I will say <laughs> the Castlevania connection is there. Uh, the animated trailer that came out was animated by uh, Spencer. It was storyboarded and animated partially by Spencer Wan, who is uh, our animation director from seasons one and two. Oh, oh yeah. I sensed some similar DNA yeah. there. I, I could smell it. It was great. Um, yeah, I think you'd enjoy that game a lot. Yeah, it um, is, is there like you mentioned Last of Us 2. Last of Us is being turned into a TV show as well. In fact, it's going to be probably the most high profile. Right. Uh, yep. Like TV, video game, live action release probably that to date that we've seen. Um, what... Like what, 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 what do you think the best way would be for them to come at a series like that, that it already is so strictly like narrative? Do they do the plot of it? Do they do a different thing? Uh, I mean, you know, what would you do? I I feel like this is, this is the funny thing saying this is that I think they have everything they need in the game. You know, like the the games are so naturalistic and down to earth in terms of storytelling that you can base episodes around a certain event in the game if you really wanted to they could write new stuff about joel and ellie on their journey you know and just base an episode around a specific event it doesn't even have to be game related and it would work just fine right and yeah they can make it work because it is so grounded and so naturalistic if they do Mm -hmm. any sort of game referencing they're making a mistake out the gate you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like Keep the foundation of what the story is about. The beginning and the end of those games are incredible. Like narratively, you're not going to get better writing in a game than those games. Like, so right. don't throw well. that out the window. Whatever you do, if you throw that out the window, you've immediately screwed up. But sure. in between all of that, you can write new episodes that are going to fit right into that world. I see. Right, yeah, okay. That, yeah. That's sort of like keep the like spine, like the arc of the story, like on a thematic and character level kind yes. of similar, but the specific details and events that fill that spine, the organs or whatever, uh, can be malleable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You um, have to, because especially in The Last of Us 2, that ending, that ending is just, it is a punch to the stomach and it has so much resonance. And if you decide not to do that for a general audience who would like to see something like that, you're, you're being a fool. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. well, their audience that is actually normally so nice and chill, so <laughs> I think they would handle that well too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that does remind me, though, that that like what 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 is the, been the I know, what has been the audience sort of Castlevania fan base reaction to the show, and like does Netflix tell you like how many normal people are watching the show versus like how many like Castlevania yes. fans? Like, do you have any stats on that so kind of stuff? Have, I'm just curious. They don't ever tell us hard numbers, but we know that we are like. We are one of, if not the biggest animated streaming series of all time. Uh, we're right there at the well, top. Let's go. Let's uh, go. So, like, I would say that in terms of audience, they've told us that what works about the show and the reason why we have that that viewer base is that we hit a lot of different parties. Like, we, we've reached out 
past the video game fans, which is why it ends mm-hmm. up working out. Uh, like we found out over IMDb, like a while back that there's a, a lot of middle-aged women who watch the show. So I like to think that a lot of uh, moms come out to uh, watch just because Richard Armitage is a voice on the show. Uh, just because based mm-hmm. on, like, the, on the Twitter presence, moms really love Richard Armitage a lot. And I believe it. <laughs> I actually believe it. I mean, I know the show is is like vastly popular because I mentioned to uh, someone who I, I D&D a group game with some of the Wisecrack patrons. I mentioned to one of them who is an art student that I was going to be talking to you today. So I, which is why I wasn't DMing our game. Uh, and they were so excited and they mentioned to their friends who also freaked the fuck out. Um, and it's like yeah, it's pervasive. How yeah. excited the excitement of the show. It's fucking crazy. I just I got like fifty-five it's DMs a, of questions that this person wanted me to ask. And I was like, you know, I'll talk to <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think um, that like we it, it being a vampire show too, I think that, you know, there hasn't been a lot of like I think that like vampire like mythology and stuff everybody likes because everybody keeps watching uh, vampire movies despite the fact that a lot of the ones that came out recently haven't even been that good. But they have they have obviously have an audience. You know, people just love that playing in that space. So I think that we get a little bit of that audience as well. People just like yeah. generally vampire stuff. Oh, actually, speaking of vampire stuff, there is a question that I've thought about the show um, and have pitched but been uh, not allowed to make a video about um, is. Like you guys do some really cool stuff with vampire lore. Like you were talking about it kind of earlier with the wolf and stuff that like, cause the vampires are very usually sort of in the mythology kind of like tied to like aristocratic abuse and the violence of like the noble class, et cetera. Yep. Um, and how like rich people as perverts, um, see the, <laughs> yeah. you know, see, see the flight logs and whatever. But, um, uh, like you guys kind of play with that in a cool way where like Dracula's much more kind of sympathetic and not like necessarily tied into like an implicit power structure the way that they often are. And like, obviously Alucard is it playing with all those categories and stuff. And it's like, how did you guys like, is that, do you, do you feel like that's a built in part of Castlevania? Or is that something that you guys and the writing team like brought to the table? Cause you guys do some of the most interesting vampire stuff. I think doing that, vampire stuff. Yeah, I think that that was it was a lot in the writing. Really, it was already there, and so we were just able to thematically push that in the storyboarding and animatic process. You know, like Dracula is obviously a sympathetic villain, um, and I think that the weight of his character is predicated on the notion that like this is a character that could have been reformed. Um, like yeah. he was on the path of reformation, and the Christian Church took that from him. And so he put him in a situation where arguably he could do nothing else, right? Uh, and so that's like the crux of the themes. It, it kind of, in a sense, I would say goes, we, or we try to at least, I don't think it always translates out perfectly, but we try to kind of uh, echo it back to kind of leftist thought on reformation and what that means and, and, and whether it's a, a good, useful thing to, to go after, even with the prison system modern day. You know, yeah. um, like there, we actually mirror themes about that in um, uh, season three, episode six, I believe. Uh, Isaac talks to Fly's Eyes a little bit about like a very visceral uh, version of hell that if it mimics the Christian version of what hell was, it turns out a lot of people are there that shouldn't be there, probably. Right. Uh, and that's. Yeah. 
weird. You know, it's the, the theme of reformation is, is there throughout the series in some capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I, this show fucking whips. Um, I guess since we're back I, I would also, I would, it raises my eyebrow too, that it's like, I think one of the reasons it feels fresh is because I think a lot of modern vampire content has been like in the modern world. I'm thinking of like true bloods and twilights and stuff yeah. like that, that it Underworld. is nice to go back to basics, right. which with, with your, with your pitchforks and your torches and your like rural landscapes, like there is something to, about going back to basics to it that makes it stand out actually. Um, but, uh, guys, I did want to, you know, we're talking about gaming we're talking about hollywood and i'd be remiss this episode if i couldn't get everyone's takes here on the updated gamestop movie um (laughs) that is in the works um adam you of course have heard about these upcoming gamestop movies correct they're gonna make movies there's no way you're lying there are there are four different projects already in the works jesus um ranging from tv shows to films uh and multiple people have already sold the rights to films based on books they have not written oh god yeah. why no one cares uh, it's, <laughs> i mean i mean don't get me wrong everybody obviously cared but does anybody care about a movie i don't know like what who's what what's mm-hmm. the audience for this I, I i stopped caring about it like 48 hours after it happened <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's also like we don't even know if like the social event is like interesting yet do you know what i mean like i know exactly it, enough, right. because there, enough a lot time of hasn't happened yeah, and there's a lot of misinformation going around about it, right? It's like I want to—I like, I don't even want to comment on it right now because I want to step back and just let it play out and see where the cards fall because I don't know—I don't know who's the bad guy yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. That's that's a rare energy to have because most people want to talk about it all day and have takes. Yeah. <laughs> after googling for an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it is really complicated. Um, and not super interesting and certainly not as in- interesting as like the big short coverage of like 2008, which had, I think, a larger ramifications than like this, like goof them up, whatever this was. But the reason I bring up all these movies is it's, um, you know, it's very funny because it has the movies and sort of Hollywood's uh, sort of lens on it has gotten all the redditors very angry at each other because essentially what's happened is is now that that the movies are happening the old mods of reddit wall street bets have come back online to grift and to try to be a part of the movie in ways and they've removed the current mods what um and now there is a battle of mods on the on the reddit as it's being torn apart uh, being like, oh, the old mods don't care about you. They're just trying to profit off the movie. Um, and, uh, you know, this thing always was sort of pitched as a as a Reddit of solidarity <laughs> against big guys. And it never felt that way to me. And it's very funny now to just watch them all like literally like rip each other's throats oh. out at the chance at what talking to a producer in discord. Yeah, for they're not, they're like, not I don't even know what they want. It. Yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. what are they fighting for? Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, just also, it's just brain mush. It's all brain mush (laughs) there's also like a deep irony here that i like which is that the story you just told griffin would make a thousand times better movie than the movie about which they are arguing about the rights to i want to watch that documentary 
Yeah, like, <laughs> like the doc or the fictional movie that's just like a bunch of us made a Reddit and then the, some people left and the Reddit got famous and they took it back and now we have to take uh, it back from the take backers or whatever. Like that's a dramatic arc and a funny concept and like a premise for a movie that I would watch tomorrow. Yeah, for um, sure. Mm-hmm. A bunch of nerds buy stocks and then yell at each other is not interesting to me at all. Uh, it's very funny how that is. People are so but stupid. Here's where, here's where your guys' minds are about to be completely changed because the, the working title of the film is The Anti-Social Network. Uh, there's You made that up. You made that up. No, that's real. Uh, it's real. I can't no stop groaning. The it's because they're mean. No one understands anything. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, but I love I love the title because it is from the perspective of that these are filthy uh, mean people doing this that these are like these these cruel mean crazy pores like that is what's so funny about it it's like uh, like is it what was all of this based on an anti social nature is it anti social to be on Reddit maybe I don't know it's, well, it, 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 it is in the zeitgeist like in the mental sort of construction of the world of a very specific set of people. Right. Yes. It isn't a uh-huh. social be on Reddit if you're like a 45 year old, like lib producer in L.A., like then Reddit is right. implicitly antisocial. Right. Um, even though it's not, it's a social network where people make a ton of friends and are talking all the time. It's extremely social. But like if you're a weird sort of out of touch, older person who doesn't really know <laughs> how networks work, like it is like uh, like fucking uh, like wrist holes in your fucking uh, hoodie sitting around drinking Mountain Dew and like typing into it to nowhere on the internet. That's like, not what it is. But, like, yeah, that is I, an mm-hmm. image of it. Yeah. And the crux of like the crux of the story keeps changing as the days go goes on. Like, I don't know who the villains, the heroes are yet. I thought it was obviously Wall Street who's like the villains before. And apparently it may not totally be them. And I'm just I don't I'm going to I'm not ready to have a conversation about this. I think that, <laughs> let's see what happens at the end of this. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the real story is less about the Redditors and more like this reveal that like all of the app based stock trading stuff is like built on a mountain of like fakery and lies, specifically around these Robin Hoods. But all these other apps they're making where it's like, hey, you, yeah, you can trade stocks, too. And then it's like the one thing that I have learned from all this is that like even when you bought a stock from Robin Hood. You didn't really own that stock. Of course, yeah. It was like an IOU right. promise yes. that like Robin Hood would give you that stock at some point. Right. And, and then then it like then all these weird tr- hands trade from there. And so the Robin Hood's problem was they basically were a company that didn't have enough uh what's it called? They need to be wet, liquidity, yeah. and they didn't have enough, so they had to shut it down right. before they go bankrupt and everyone's left with an IOU to a company that like doesn't exist anymore um and that's that just goes to show that it's like more than anything yeah there's a lot of bad actors but like the structures themselves are all just fucking fake as shit and like destined to for like like chaos it's all narratively (laughs) driven and whether that narrative is based in reality or not has no it doesn't matter and that's it's insanity it's just outright insanity Mm -hmm. yeah it's all about Did you make any money though? on ground. No. <laughs> no. Like the second everybody started talking about it, I was like, I feel like I should stay as far away from this as possible. <laughs> yeah. The second that Jim Cramer is talking about it from a hospital yes. bed, I'm out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I'll say this. Um, maybe this is bad advice for people listening to the podcast, but like everyone I know who already was into gambling 
made money on this. Like if you had the gambler's <laughs> nose, if you could smell the because uh, like yeah. I made a PS5's mm-hmm. worth of money off of this. Yeah. Um, other people I know who have worse gambling problems than I do made a lot more money than I did off of this. <laughs> like if you have like the the urge to wager and the nose for a good like for a good betting line, like people made bank on this and a lot of my most degenerate friends are like doing great now well, um, I mean, good mm-hmm. for them right like i i'm glad yeah. that there is a certain sect of people that made money off it i am concerned however that there's a lot of people holding on to it now who are losing money right now which yes. is a, another part of the thing that's really spooky so yeah whatever mm-hmm. yeah well that's Crazy. that's part of the reason why like the sports betting approach to it was really good to me is that like with sports betting you bet on a game that's happening in two days and then the money pays out or it doesn't and you move on. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Don't that linger. was sort of my approach was just treating the market like it's the game. Right. So it was like, I'm going to pull out in two days because either it's going down, I'm losing money or it's going up and I'm winning money. And that's it. Right. And so like being yep. used to sort of cycling money in that kind of pattern, I think made it a lot easier for me to be like, meh, see ya before I like lost a substantial amount of money. Also, I never like bet a substantial amount of money on anything because if I did that, then I'd be poor um, fully and forever. Not just in like the psychological way that's left over from childhood. Um, <laughs> like, uh, but it is it's a weird thing, man. It's a weird time and it's a weird it's weird. I mean, it's, it's pandemic shit. It's the same way that you were talking, Griffin, earlier about or like how Adam, you talked about Genshin. Griffin, you talked about animation. It's the pandemic is just like everyone's so hungry for human narrative for like. Yes. Human connection and human and to see sure. other humans make choices or do things that like even if it's just people doing Wall Street bets, it's like that felt human for a second. And the world feeling human for a second, I think, is something that like people are latching on to so quickly in such for a sure, crazy sure. deprived hmm. way. Because yeah, our brains absolutely. are broke. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I've seen yeah. this from all walks of life this year. And it's I've seen it even in uh, with work. Like people are just like they're having a hard time and they're acting out in a lot of different ways. Right. Good or bad. And I and you have to expect that this year. Like I don't blame anybody for crumbling or having weird habits during this year of all of all years. Yeah, I am inclined to agree. I think my well, it depends if you're someone who has political beliefs that I kind of don't like. I am much more quick to like try to cut your head off with the cleaver. Um, <laughs> but but if you're someone to whom I feel sympathy, I think my ability to feel sympathy is expanded much greater this year because it's like if people are having a bad time, it's like that's that's all structural shit they can't control. Like very few people right. are having a bad time because of their own choices at this point. Yeah, having bad times because of like, yeah, which is tough. There yeah. are bad times everyone, with like Eric Garcetti's like, choices. I mean, it's literally like, you know, I think everyone for me, like gets a, gets a hall pass for doing basically anything that they post online these days, because I mean, it's, it, everyone is losing their brains and, and you get like three major chances to like emb- embarrass yourself as well. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think, you know, I've, and no one remembers. That's yeah. the great thing about it. <laughs> and we're all posting a little bit of cringe these days just because like cringe is human, you know, and we got to get it out there yeah, for like, sure. Posting- yeah. Yeah, like we used to get that part of us ourselves out by like riffing with our buds over drinks, but now it's like you can't do that. So it's like you got to post cringe. Like it's the only way to make it and like stay psychologically coherent. Or invest in uh, GameStop stock. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> the the financial equivalent thereof, I think. Yeah. Um, man, I was speaking of GameStop, I was in a physical GameStop to buy something on Thursday and it was wild. <laughs> I mean, was it any different or is it just empty? I mean, it just felt weird to go into one because I've been yeah, like ordering yeah. online slash like I haven't like thought about it. And I went to a brick and mortar GameStop and I was like, I need a new dock for my Switch and I want those cool beefy Switch handles for handheld times. Oh, um, nice. And and they were like, 
there was no one else in the store. There were three employees and just me. They all wanted to like have a conversation because no one's appeared there in months. <laughs> like it was a really surreal experience because like I used to obviously go to GameStop all the time, like pick up used games or whatever. And I went in and it was just like this barren wasteland where like, for the first time in my history of going to GameStop, everything seemed well stocked. You know what I mean? Like it didn't seem like yeah. they were out of anything. Except for PS5s, it was like the, yeah. yeah, except for PS5s. Um PS5 is the only thing harder to get than a COVID vaccine. Jesus, um, dude, I know. Um, but it's God, I want one. March thir- May 13th is my 4K TV PS5 deadline. I need to have oh, both God, those objects by then so that I can play the Mass Effect remake in 4K on a PS5. I know. I'm um, striking out so bad trying to get one. It sucks. Yeah, so we just got deets. What we got to do is be like Griffin's our Twitch channel and get our fans to get us a PS5 for us. Because <laughs> that's what, that's what Griffin did, and it worked out great. Oh, I applaud you for this your guy, effort. Yeah, my effort. If some, yeah, someone who got one for me at four a.m. <laughs> uh, you know, I think you got you got to just work your clout better, man. You gotta <laughs> you gotta you gotta say, listen, I will not release a single another episode of the show until I get a PS5. Ooh. It's on you guys now. All right. Well, yeah. well, I better have that phone call with Netflix. <laughs> I do think there is like a little bit to that. Netflix has got to have some PS5s. At least on my end, we're like. I mean, Griffin, you've yelled at me about this in our DMs before a bunch. I just do not leverage any degree of social capital that I have ever for any reason. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, it's just I don't ever feel right about it. So, yeah, I would ne- I, I never should, do I don't, I, I don't perceive myself as having it, I think, is part of the thing. Do you know what well, I mean? That, yeah, it's like, I, I totally feel I, I totally understand how you feel about that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like I probably could hassle enthusiast gaming into helping me get a PS5 yeah. um, because they're technically my employers or whatever. But like, I don't like it seems like I can't just because of how I think about myself as a person. Like why would yeah. they listen? Yeah. Um, which is a weird mm-hmm. dynamic because like, I mean, I'm you, more, you more than it's me. Cool. Yeah. You more than me, Adam, <laughs> but like we've made things that people give a shit about and like made money for people who give a shit about making money. Um, so you'd think I'd imagine them being more reciprocal, but instead I just imagine them being like, shut up, dude, go get, go get yourself a <laughs> PS5, you dork. Um, it's my own anxiety. It's my own problem. Well, I've made it an hour without embarrassing myself and admitting that I've never played a Castlevania game. Ooh. So where should where should I start? Well, okay. So let me ask you something. If you uh, did, how much from the NES era of games have you played that you enjoyed? Very, very, very little, okay. to be honest with you. My first console was a PS2. Okay, so you're like not it, you're you didn't grow up during the era in which games were brutally hard. Basically, no, no, I didn't. So I wouldn't suggest playing through the old school platformers. So like you have to probably start in the same place that a lot of us started, which is uh, Symphony of the Night, I think, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is like it's sort of like the 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 sort of cornerstone of of modern Castlevania started from that place, which is they're like they're they're uh, lovingly called Metroidvania games where they have a little bit of Metroid in them. And a little bit of Castlevania slammed together to have like a side scroller that is like mostly about exploration and RPG stats and getting equipment. Um, cool. So they're like, they're, they're really fun because they're not particularly hard, but you also, there's like a, a distinct means of growth. Um, the music's great. It looks great for a 2d uh, side scroller. Uh, so do that. Yeah. I will. Awesome. Um, I will definitely be playing that one. I will double down on that recommendation because there's a direct line from Symphony of the Night to like every game that you Griffin really fucking love. Like all the From Software yep. games, a lot of those like big yep. adventure sweeping fighty games that you like. Like there's a 
clear straight line of DNA from Symphony of the Night to those games that I think you'll see right away. Like, Hell yeah. And it's it. that's one of my favorite things about Symphony of the Night is it's so good that it still has echoes like one to one echoes in modern games where like, oh, yeah, I'll play I'll play Sekiro or something and be like, whoa, this reminds me a lot of Castlevania, which is <laughs> yeah. crazy because that game is old as shit. Yeah, and there's a lot of like modern indie games that are like uh, pulling from it too. Like Hollow Knight, for example, is a, f- yeah. a fantastic yeah, I was gonna say game. Hollow Knight. Yeah, yeah, awesome game, beautifully done. Uh, probably better than Symphony of the Night, really, in terms of just storytelling and visuals. Um, yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. obviously lifts a lot from Symphony of the Night as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm directing the Hollow Knight movie, so watch your back. Um, <laughs> well, Adam, it was such a pleasure to get to talk to you. Uh, was, so thank you for sharing the time. Uh, I am loving the show, uh, and I can't wait to to keep watching more of it, man. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug other than the show? Uh, I mean, I can't. I not not other than the show. Really, we're working very very hard on season four right now. Obviously, we're, we're we. I can't give you any release dates or anything, but we're very close. We're on the tail end of uh, production right now, so cross your fingers. You'll probably hear announcements very soon. Yeah, hell yeah! I, I've seen Perfect. you and Sam posting stills on Twitter. At least Sam. I mean, you retweeted them, and they yep. look unbelievable. Awesome! Um, mm-hmm. They look Thank you. so fucking cool. Um, Game Boys fans, check out the show, and also try to get Adam a PS5. <laughs> yeah, try to help. Try to help Beats out before you help me. I'll figure something out. I'm literally a criminal. Um, so I'll get something sorted out. Um, Deeds, a couple of people had some questions for you. I can ask him if you want, or we can just not do it. But would you like to hear some of these questions? See if you have, no, I, have answers. I'd be happy. I'd be happy to answer them. Okay. So the ones that I've got that haven't already been answered are first off, uh, what was your favorite monster design and which was the most of a hassle to do? Oh, geez, that is a quite, uh, the question. So Fisher Roo is a, is a, is actually not based on one of the games. He's uh, from season three. Uh, he is mm-hmm. the uh, pale monster that you see, I believe, in episode two, where Isaac's going through Tunis, uh, the town. Uh, and he's there with his, his, his uh, monster posse. And there's like a pale white monster with a, a freaky like monster coming out of its stomach. Uh, with two little hands, oh, like almost like uh, the Total Recall guy. Um, yeah, and it's just horrific and disgusting. And it's just, I don't like looking at the thing. And I'm just really proud of it because it's awful, but also awful to animate. So is that both a favorite and most hassle, you think? Yes, for sure. That seems like yeah. a, re- a real twofer. Um, yeah. We already answered this one. That question seems like one you can't answer about the soundtrack ever coming out. Um, <laughs> all right, here's one. Um they they said that uh, the character of Isaac in the show is very different in tone and appearance to the game's character. Was the how much did you contribute to that? Slash, what was the thought process that led to this particular choice? Um, I mean, uh, generally speaking, uh, Curse of Darkness is one of the least known Castlevania games. Uh, so um, it was a place in which that you know edits could be made and it wouldn't be uh, really really damaging to the narrative as a whole. Um, also, like Hector and Isaac, they end up doing a really specific thing in the show, so it was best to kind of alter them to help do that thematic thing. Um, But like, you know, again, we weren't really involved with that. That was mostly the writers and producers talking that over. And, you know, frankly speaking, we had a, it was a, it's a very white show, you know? So (laughs) if you have an opportunity to get a not white character in it, um, Isaac was a good place to do that because Isaac is not that known. You know, like he's he's not a super popular, very known character. Sorry, guys. I know Curse of Darkness fans are going to scream at me about that. But, you know, you have to pick and choose your place to do that. And that was one way to do it. 
Cool. And then this one's a follow up to that, which is, is there another thing sort of of buried kind of Castlevania lore or Castlevania history that you guys want to try to get into the show or that you're excited about getting the show that you haven't gotten to yet? Uh, no, I, I, yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, like in terms of buried lore, I wouldn't say there's anything that like comes comes to mind immediately. I would just say that there's a lot of places we would like to go within the Castlevania universe if we are allowed to. Cool. And then this is the last one. Uh, quote, where Grant Dynasty at, man? Oh, my God. The um, question I can never answer. Look, this had nothing to do with Sam and I. OK, so just get off our backs about it. I don't we, we can't ever talk about it. But like it's basically uh, out there. The information's out there. Hell yeah. Well, I think that was a perfect answer. Uh, thank you so much, man. Um, <laughs> do your own research. Everyone do your own research. Learn to Google. Google's your friend. Google University. What other things do people I don't like tell me about when I ask them questions? Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone check out the show. Um, Griff, do you want to quickly run through the Tomb Room stuff? Tell everyone where you can find you. Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Well, I sort of said it. it's Tomb Room. Uh, Party World Wrestling. I am going to plug something. We have... Our next Gaiden uh, show, which includes, I think, a graphic Adam made a million years ago. Oh, a um, long time ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming out a week from, or actually coming out this coming Friday when you hear this. So you'll hear this on Wednesday. It'll be coming out the Friday following. So please check it out on twitch.tv slash Wrestling. And one more time, if you haven't, watch the first three seasons of Castlevania. If you have, watch them again and stay tuned for season four. And also make sure to check out Haley at Eat Every Sound on Instagram and YouTube and on the Memory Static podcast. That's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you again, Adam, and goodbye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thanks Peace. for having me on. Bye. Bye.